This week on Views from the Pews, we're going to answer some listener questions that came in and in our second segment, talk about the future of Views from the Pews and where we're headed and how we're going to reform it a little bit after our two-week break. Join us. In our first segment, we have two wonderful questions from listeners. Uh, One from Sarah here in Austin, Texas, who actually lives in Steiner Ranch. And for those Austinites who listen, um, that is right next to St. Luke's on the Lake Episcopal Church. And Sarah writes to us and says, I am enjoying your podcast. At first, I did not. I disliked hearing clergy talk about issues in the real world because I've always thought of that as political. But now I've grown to appreciate it, although I want to be clear, I don't agree with you always. I have appreciated, as you've said to me, agreeing to disagree, and I find that quite powerful. My question to you is, how do we as Christians operate in this world with those we disagree with, and how do we learn to navigate that? Uh, Let me, and navigate that and uh, reach out to others and model something new. That's a great question, Sarah, and one that I love to answer. I think simply put, and we say this a lot on this podcast, Jesus calls us to love each other. That's hard. You know, it's hard to love people that you vehemently disagree with. There's plenty of situations in life where we'll say things like we love this person, but we don't like them. And I wonder sometimes what Jesus would say to us or what our life would be like as Christians if Jesus looked at us uh, when he was on the cross and say, I love you, but I don't like you. Instead, he stood on the cross and he said, I love you. I love you unconditionally. So much of what I see going on around us is a product of us humans and our human frailty and our human faultness that we have to overcome. Jesus also reminds us in the gospels to go and be a light to the world. And I think that's the biggest message we can give to humanity right now, not just in the United States of America in an election year, but I mean, all across the world, there are people who need light and life. There are people here who are struggling during this pandemic with their businesses and their finances and making their lives work, who are in desperate need of a change. And they just need somebody who sees them as a human being and loves them. I tend to believe in my heart that I'm the worst human being when I let my uh, feelings get the best of me, my emotions get the best of me, which I know all of us are. That's usually when we say and do things we regret. I am not as cliche to say, uh, Sarah, that I would turn things over to God in that regard. I turn everything over to God. I am God's. We all are God's. We're God's children. We're bestowed with gifts from God that we cultivate. In the Episcopal Church, we believe that happens in baptism, and I love the Orthodox Christian view of that, in baptism we is a sacrament of illumination. We're made aware of the gifts that God has bestowed upon us, and we spend the rest of our lives cultivating those gifts. So I think we as Christians have to remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we have those gifts, and that we belong to God, and we have a great gift to give to the world, and that is to be a place where God happens for somebody else. It's not always easy, uh, and it's not always the most fun thing to do, but it does matter. It does help. I, uh, it is something that we all have to work on. And we really have to move to a deeper place of connection with each other that even involves forgiving and reconciling. That's the second piece of that. Forgiveness is one aspect of how we connect with one another, but reconciling with somebody we disagree with is harder. 
Because when we reconcile with somebody, we drop that phrase that we hear when someone tells us, I forgive you, but I won't forget. If you won't forget, you haven't reconciled with them. You have to let go and hope for that new day, hope that God's working through both of you in a new and special way. And that's the great gift of the gospel, I think. And Sarah, I appreciate your question. And especially right now, there seems to be new divisions every day. And of course, as you stated, this podcast was never meant to be another place for division, just a place for clergy to try to have real conversations about life is because we operate in this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, but we operate in this world. And it's hard, but we have to have real conversations that are driven by faith. And I'm going to pick that up, actually. Your question is a great catalyst for our second segment when I talk about views from the pews and what's going to happen next. But thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for that question. Now, Mike from Virginia Beach writes to us and says, Father Jim and Father Justin, I so appreciate your podcast. I didn't at first. I actually really disliked it, was going to write to your bishop and tell him how much I disliked it. I've been a cradle Episcopalian my whole life and I've always thought that priests should never be political. And then something changed. I listened to your podcast on the South and statues. I grew up in the South and it was there that I realized in your podcast, I realized that I was conditioned to believe certain things that might not actually be true. So I listened to your podcast and the episodes I extremely disliked again and realized that I needed that. I needed what you said. I have to see things differently. My question to you is, how do we as Christians navigate and live our faith out in day-to-day life? It seems very difficult to follow the commandment as you and Jim talk about of loving Jesus and modeling that in a world that doesn't reward you for that. So how do we have tough conversations? And I believe I read this in in a seminary journal called Systematic Theology, and I feel like that's what you're trying to do with this podcast. Can you elaborate a little further? Well, Mike, I, I want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast and also to the thousand. We actually crossed the thousand mark uh, yes, uh, last week of listeners. So we, I was really pleased that so many folks have listened to us. We don't pretend to have all the answers. And Mike, we are, you, you hit the nail on the head. I don't know what seminary you might've read that or if you were just Googling around trying to talk about, uh, if you kind of Google theology in real life, usually you'll find articles that are grounded in systematic theology. And systematic theology is just that. It is about turning our faith into action and applying it to situations that we don't think of. I will say that one of the things that's always concerned me in the last 10 years of ordained ministry is that the church is losing its voice in, action, in matters of life. And maybe it's, that's the wrong way to say it. Maybe I'm more concerned as you seem to be asking the question about of how we as Christians act out our faith in everyday life. In other words, how do we live our faith at the gas station, the grocery store, when we go to work, if we run a company, do we use, do Christian values and principles overwhelm that? And really the basic principle, again, as I said to Sarah and her question, how do we love each other? In what we do? How do we model 
what Jesus calls us to in our day-to-day life, knowing it may not be rewarded and could be shunned. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, a lot of what's been going on in conversations about freedom of religion, because I think that's a really muddy topic that is getting more muddy by Christians. Uh, And that's something maybe we'll pick up in a future podcast uh, as we look back on the founding of of the United States of America. But systematic theology is a way we should all be living. We should be looking out on the world and thinking about like those old bracelets used to say, what would Jesus do? You know, I, there's this wonderful book that not everybody loves, but there's some images in that book that I think really resonate with the early church. If we can understand that the Christian church, as we know it today, evolved out of something before our time, that we're not the creators of the Christian church. And that's the shack. And in the shack, there's this scene where the father who lost his daughter is sitting and facing the judgment seat. And he realizes on the judgment seat is himself. And all the judgment that he had cast out on humanity was being thrown back on him. And I think there's real power in that. Because I think as we live out into the world, we have to not only be authentically Christian, but also to navigate those waters carefully is to remember what's our job as Christians and what's God's job. You know, we're not called to be God. We're called to be followers of Jesus. We're called to go and baptize and take care of the widows and orphans, as Paul tells us, and as the disciples tell us in the Acts of the Apostles. We're called to, as the early church says, to call to be a place where Jesus happens for somebody else, where God happens for somebody else, which really in itself means that we get called into community. We come to church. We build bonds with one another. We partake of Holy Communion to remind ourselves that we are God's so we can go out and do the work that God's called us to do. I think part of what you're getting at is that it's hard, that sometimes the gospel is going to tell us and, and, and encourage us to do things that we don't necessarily agree with in this world and we think might be completely outrageous. I mean, we often forget the utopia and the acts of the apostles where everybody was giving freely to one another. In certain settings today, that would be labeled a, a certain political system, but there it is in the Bible. Uh, And we find all sorts of interactions in scripture that are beautiful and and give us a window into God. And what I think Jim and I are hoping to do here and what we've been hoping to do is just elaborate, not from a place of perfection as pilgrims on our journey. So I hope that um, we've been able to do that for you. And I hope this little uh, response helps you some there in Virginia Beach. But I hope, Mike, that you will continue to uh, wrestle and wrestle with that and wrestle with where God's calling you and in all aspects of your life, uh, no matter what your job is, I don't know what that is. Or if you're still going to an Episcopal church that you'll wrestle and engage and remember that we engage in those communities, not to consume them, but to, to participate so that we grow deeper with one another and with God. And that is my hope for you. And I really appreciate it. We, we had a myriad of questions last week for whatever reason, So I thank you for those questions, um, those two that I chose to answer today and the others that I've emailed. I really am thankful for all of you who are listening uh, in multiple countries now and in almost most states. And I'm I'm very humbled and Jim is very humbled by that. So thank you for your listenership. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's next for views from the pews. So after getting a lot of questions these past weeks and, and some good questions, and we've gotten what I think people would label as hate mail, 
uh, from folks that are really struggling. Um, I've realized that this experiment that is views from the pews is run at least one part of its journey uh, that we need to rethink it a little bit that Father Jim and Father Justin may not be uh, able to do what uh, somebody like Pat Robertson, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, can do or other televangelists, which was not really our goal. Our goal was really just to try to talk about issues and try to shed as much Christian light on them as we could and, and also highlight the complexity of it as a way of creating dialogue. Well, we're not going to go away. But what we are going to do uh, after a couple weeks of a break, we're, we're both going to be away on some other projects. When we come back, we're going to look at how we can um, we're going to look at how we can put uh, faith back in the forefront and use faith as a lens of when it when it cross when it cross sections with things that are happening in life. We, we will let those things happen. We will let those intersect, and we'll talk about it. We're going to use pieces of scripture. We're going to use uh, things that we love from the early church as a backdrop for a conversation about faith and how we can become better Christians operating in this world, hopefully. A little teaching. I don't pretend that everybody's going to agree with what we say in a world that is divided in all aspects and including in Christianity. We have Christians on so many sides of everything that believe they are so right. And what Jim and I will hope to do is encourage those folks to come off their mountain into the valley and listen to one another and maybe... Maybe we will all grow in our understanding of God and each other. So again, as I said in the first segment, I am super thankful for all the listeners who've jumped in in these last 12, 13 weeks, really, that we've been doing this. We're going to be back. We hope you'll join us. It'll look very different. Well, it won't look so different, but it'll look significantly different as we dive into scripture, church tradition, history, as a way of having a conversation about Christianity and faith and the church and all the complexities of that and, and the different banners of theology that exist out there. And, and honestly, um, I hope that you will hear us charitably talk about folks we don't agree with. And I hope that you will open your minds to new conversations um, and new ways of thinking. We will try to be fair and balanced in how we talk about theological issues so that we cover both sides of the issue, the two major, three or four major uh, opinions on a subject. Uh, and help you articulate a language of a uh, theological language about life and what you're doing. And, and maybe that will pour over into your everyday life. And that was the genesis of views from the pews. So in just a few weeks time on the fort, on the 15th of October, we'll have a new episode out and we hope you'll join us for that. But again, thank you for listening to this point and know that we are rethinking this and reshaping it. And I think it's going to come out bigger, better, and stronger And we are so thankful for your listenership. And we hope you'll journey with us as we dive in in a different way into topics of faith and life and how those two intersect using scripture and tradition and reason as a backdrop, our good, strong Anglican proponents. I do also want to give a shout out. uh, If you are interested in learning about the Book of Common Prayer, if you will search for Lit, a a podcast about theology, Faith, Theology, and Life. Um, That is a great podcast by a good friend of mine, Bryn Bond, here in Austin, Texas as well, as she's journeying through the prayer book. So I hope you'll join us for that podcast. Uh, It's an awesome way to just learn about the 1979 Book of Common Prayer, but more importantly, prayer book tradition and the Episcopal Church uh, more fully. 
Alrighty, thank you so much and we will see you in just a few weeks time. Thank <laughs> you.